What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Hey, this is Greg Dulcich. You're listening to Roster Watch. Ladies and gentlemen, Roster Watch Nation, welcome back to the Epic Roster Watch Podcast, brought to you by RosterWatch.com and by Underdog Fantasy. Go to Underdog Fantasy right now, use promo code ROSTER for 100% deposit bonus up to $100. Get into that Best Ball Mania 3 tournament, see if you can turn yourself into a millionaire or a multi-millionaire. I'm talking to a man who's clearly a multi-millionaire from, from his beautiful beachfront mansion in florida today he's one of the original one of the original ogs in the fantasy football space uh probably one of the first guys that i've ever even done like an interview on the over the interwebs with i don't know if you remember dave back at the combine in like 2012 or something like that it was the first time you and i ever you and i ever talked uh you know all this fantasy stuff his name is dave richard he's the senior fantasy writer over at cbs you can find him on twitter at Dave Richard, and you can also find uh, CBS Sports HQ, which is their new 24-7 sports news and analysis streaming channel. Everyone should check it out at cbssportshq.com. Dave, here to promote that. Dave, what the hell is going sure. on? Sure. What's uh, Alex, hold on one second. Hold on a second. Jeeves, did you, did you park the Lamborghini? <laughs> no, not the red one, the black one. Okay, great. Thank you. Thank you. But do, you know, do, I'm from my beachfront mansion. I figured I might as well play the role. So I mean, I had a sub from a gas station today for lunch. That's the truth. And you're you're making me out to be the Monopoly man on, on the beach with some, you know, who knows what everywhere. But thanks, sure. At least the fantasy football part was was mostly right. That was good. Well, you got it's it's a, a, a sub, dude. Florida's a land of magic, dude. A sub from a gas station might not be that bad. You have subs from a from a grocery <laughs> store out there, Publix that are so Publix, good. yes, I, chicken right? dinner sub. I grew <laughs> up. You. I didn't grow up on Publix subs, but I went to college at Miami, oh, and okay. I mean we we get Publix subs all the time. So that is a thing in South Florida. Yeah, man. Yeah. So, hey, who who knows? It could be it could be an awesome sub from a Florida gas station. You never know, man. Um, all right. So, I t- t- today I just wanted, uh, you know, Dave's a big shot. He's with he's with CBS Sports. He's definitely uh, part of the part of the uh, content stream of everything that you see, and he uh, all all this stuff comes across his desk. Uh, just as soon or before it comes across ours. So I wanted to talk about some of these latest fantasy football headlines with you. Just kind of see what you think, yeah. see what's, see, see, see what the narrative is, if there's anything to it, whether it's things we should be worried about or how they pertain to us. So uh, first, I think that the, what I'd like to ask you about is just the Gronk retirement. That was the bombshell news from yesterday. Um, Gronk comes out with an Instagram story, not 
in his in his Instagram note, I noticed he did not say anything about the Patriots, which was no. pretty, which was interesting to me. Yeah, uh, a little bit. Yeah. For our fantasy purposes, I guess that's not the most important thing. The most important thing is what to make of it. One, do you believe it? Two, what effect does it have on the rest of them? You've gotten to take from every fantasy analyst out there about who this helps the most, who it benefits. What say you, Dave Richard? Well, it, it's going to help the Falcons and the Panthers and the Saints. Not that the yeah. Saints needed this. The Saints have Brady's number pretty well. But those other teams, it'll help them a lot. Uh, now, who does it help in fantasy? It's going to help Russell Gage first and foremost. Remember when Russell Gage signed with Tampa Bay, everybody kind of scratched their heads a little bit and said, well, isn't it a little much to, to plunk down that kind of money on Russell Gage when Godwin's going to be back eventually from the, from the ACL tear? And, mm-hmm. and I thought at the time that it, it was triple full why they made a move for Russell Gage. Number one was insurance for Chris Godwin. Number two was insurance in case Gronk retires. And number three, this is their number three receiver. And so we, we know that Antonio Brown's not coming back. I don't think Tyler Johnson will ever be that guy. Cyril Grayson, Brashad Perriman, no. Uh, it's going to be Russell Gage. And now that G- Gage is going to be given an opportunity to play more, I'm sure we'll see a ton of three and four receiver sets from the Bucks. I think Gage is going to be the one that benefits the most. I'm comfortable taking him, for example, in round eight in a PPR draft. An obvious winner also for fantasy is Cameron Braid. He's the next guy up in, in Tampa Bay. And as long as the Bucks don't add uh, an, another tight end, I, I think he's going to be an every down player for them too. I'm totally comfortable taking him as at least a tight end streamer to begin the year and someone who can be one of your last three, maybe four picks on draft day. Not so, I, No one's going to go into their draft docs and go, Oh my God, I got to get Cameron Braid, please. Yeah. No one's going to do that. But there are, there, there's obviously going to be multiple fantasy managers in every draft who might target Kelsey, might target Andrews, might target Pitts, and they don't get them. And then they're going to wait and wait, and there's not going to be a value that they like. And they're going to find themselves in the double digit rounds. They got all their other positions covered. They don't have a tight end. Braid's somebody that they can go to then. Um, one other winner, if I may, is Mike Evans. And Evans has already been like the red zone slash end zone guy for Tom Brady. Like Gronk had his and Brady actually low key had some end zone targets too. Oh yeah. But Evans is the one who really benefited. And I think Evans will continue to see that, uh, that catch share in the, in the end zone, in the red zone. And I mean, all the pass catchers are going to benefit ultimately 15% of Rob Gronkowski's yard or Brady's passing yards went to Gronkowski. Kind of butchered that stat. I'll I'll blame my publicist for that. <laughs> Something like that. Since I'm I'm the beach bazillionaire now. All of a sudden. Uh, but yeah, I th- I think that's where we're coming out on it. Uh, do I believe that he's retired? Yes, because he could have just not said anything and signed with Tampa Bay in late August if he wanted to. If he for sure wanted to play, and if he wasn't sure, he could have just waited even longer. I think this is it. I think Rock is done. And in my opinion. Not that you asked this, Alex. He's the best tight end of all time. Oh, I, he's a. Uh, you think he's the? Do you, do you think he's better than Tony Gonzalez? Is it yes. just because of how? Because Tony Gonzalez, if you just look at the counting stats, I think. Oh yeah, the stats are going to say Gonzalez, but but he, the stats don't take into account what a good blocker Gronkowski was and how he just right. how he just dominated in the run game for so long. Also, mm-hmm. Gronkowski, if uh, you know, if you just look at 
um, the length of his career. I'd have to look at the lengths of their two careers, but it feels like Gronkowski got more done in a shorter amount of time. That's uh, what I think too. But but I just I, I think that the blocking for me is what would uh, I I. It, it, it hasn't been long enough for me for me to really dive in, but I would definitely think that you the two you would only think about would, would be Tony G and Gronk. Sure. Um, twelve years it was twelve years for Gonzalez, so not as long of a career, uh, but pretty close between the two of them. Gonzalez's numbers are better; he played more games, he was healthier. So if you want if, if you want to buy into longevity as a as a as a way to judge these guys, Gonzalez is going to have Gronk whipped. But I just thought that Gronk was just a just an absolute dominator. Well, Gonzalez, just, like, like Gonzalez wasn't either. Well, he was too, but I, I just, I like Gronk better. I think with, with, with Gronk, with Gronk, you have, I can't believe we're talking about this. It's like, it's such a sports talk radio subject, but with, <laughs> with, with, with Gronk, with Gronk, you have the, like, obviously both first bout all famers. You can't, you can't write history to leave without you know, talking about either of them, one because of Tony G yeah. with the way that with the proliferation of the ex basketball playing type of, you know, that type of above the rim tight end. It feels like he was kind of the, you know, if not the first of his time, the most prolific of his time that was like that. But with Gronk, it was the complete, I mean, he, he was the complete tight end that was just the, like everybody just looked at him and talked about what a different guy he was to play with, just about his per. Both are just total, stu- total studs. Uh, it's, it's hard for me to say which one's. Which one's better? But they, we yeah. certainly lost a good one there uh, with Gronkowski. Sure, so, they both redefine the position, Alex. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And the other thing I would say that, that you mentioned about Bray, you can get him, dude. You can get him right now at the very end of your drafts. I don't think I, I think that's going to correct. I think that's kind of yes. what you're baking in. Is by the time we get to these yeah. real drafts, but he's he's going to be a lifesaver. One of these kind of life vest type of tight ends that even if you don't even get the secondary guys you're interested in, like the Albertos or the you know, Irv Smith's or you, t- you know, you take your stab at these, you know, the, the Hayden Hurst's or the, some of these trendy guys at the very end, you might miss on them. It feels like Cameron Braid will probably be like a life vest at the, at the very end that you'll be able to get to as, as, as long as things yeah. don't steam up too much on him. I um, would be more, I would be more excited about him if his schedule were easier at the beginning of the year. He's got the Cowboys in week one saints in week two. We know what the saints do to the bucks and then uh, the Packers in week three and then the chiefs in week four. He doesn't even face like the Falcons, Panthers, like those are the teams that we want him to go up against. That's not till week five. There will still be demand for Brayton. He'll be one of those late round tight ends. Um, but it, it, the schedule were easier. I'd be more all in. That's I mean, good points. Like, those are all closer teams. to top ten. Those are all good. Those are all t- those those first four teams you just listed off are teams with good coverage, linebacker play, and good and good nickel corner and safety play. Yep. Um, all right, so let's go to this other one. What about Robert Woods? Where the the big headlines from him coming out of OTAs is that he is not, he's looking like he's the clear number one option. People are acting like he's going to be healthy. We've seen the videos of him cutting, moving, everything else like that. Well, you know, do you believe he's going to be the, the, the number one option there? Are you worried about this Traylon Burks stuff? Them saying Traylon Burks is looking like he's the number three between behind guys like Nick Westbrook, Akina, and stuff. Uh, like, what's your take on the Titans? What is Robert Woods worth in fantasy if if he is truly the the wide receiver one there in Tennessee? Robert Woods is a thirty year old wide receiver coming off of a torn ACL, going to a team that was very good <laughs> at passing the football to a team that is like. Ew! when it comes to passing the football they don't want to do it they want to run the thing that the coaches talk about the most with robert woods in tennessee is how good of a run blocker he is 
I don't know right. about you, Alex, but I don't get I'm in a quarter point <laughs> for a run blocking league. Yeah. So I, I'm I can't overvalue him. I, no, that's a lie. I'm no one gives points for a run blocking. Right. He's it's a team that doesn't offer a ton of volume to one receiver. If there was no Traylon Burks there, I'd might be a little more interested in Woods, but he's a bench receiver for me in fantasy. And one that I'm looking at in like round nine, round 10. And of course, Traylon Burks isn't going to be the number one receiver. A, he's a rookie. B, he wasn't a complete prospect when he was coming out of Arkansas. And C, apparently there was an asthma slash conditioning issue that may have gone undiscovered in the draft process. I don't know if you heard anything about that, Alex. You might have heard something about that with, with Traylon Burks, but I didn't know about it. And it almost feels like the Titans weren't quite up on it. But that stuff can be fixed. He's not the first player to enter the NFL who had asthma. And if he's out of shape now, that doesn't mean he's going to be out of shape by mid-August. And I think the Traylon Burks will eventually take over as I, – I like to think of him as the Derrick Henry of receivers – in Tennessee. Mm-hmm. And they're just going to feed them. Uh, like the, when, whenever there's a rookie coming into a team, I think about, all right, what did this rookie do in college that the team can acclimate him into in the pros so that he can adjust and be productive and help me on my fantasy team because I'm a selfish jerk and I want my fantasy points. So one of those easy things is going to be short area targets. And I fully expect Traylon Burks sooner than later uh, to be the the target master in Tennessee. And by that, I mean target master Tennessee style. That's like maybe six and a half, seven targets per game. It's not good enough to be a top 20 type of fantasy receiver. But if that's what Burks is getting, uh, then you can imagine that Robert Woods probably won't get as much. I'm happy that he's running. He's a good dude. He's talked to me in the past. He's been cool with me. But I can't recommend him as anything more than a bench receiver in fantasy. It's interesting. It's interesting what you. It's interesting what you said about Traylon Burks and the way that they're going to get him involved. That was the criticism that people had about what, how he was used at Arkansas, right? So mm-hmm. all these gadget he plays, all these plays around the line of scrimmage, are just trying to get the ball in his hands. It's like, well, of course that's what they're trying to do. He's the best <laughs> player on the field. Like they're right. trying to get the ball in his hands. It's like since he's a giant. Of course he's going to bowl over these thing. other defensive backs. They're they're going to do. This is what's going to make me mad. They're going to do with him what they should have been doing with Derrick Henry for years. They should have been lining up Derrick Henry in the slot and out wide and throwing him two and three yard routes and just let him catch the ball, turn around and bulldoze a a cornerback. Cause that's an easy matchup. That's way better than running him between a bunch of 250 and 300 pound dudes. Don't get me started on his underutilization in the receiving game. Dave. He was on pace for almost 40 catches last year. We're hoping that that, that comes back this year. What about the athletic? They they had their. Uh, I saw an article from yesterday. They they had their. I guess they they do this stuff where they go around from rider to rider and they talk about their kind of breakout candidates. And the way that they did this one was somebody that was I forgot under a certain age, but they had they they the rule was they could have been an all pro and they could have never been to a, a Pro Bowl. Who might break out right? And so tell me what you think about okay. these possible breakouts. Um, for quarterback, their consensus was Trevor Lawrence. For the running back, it was J.K. Dobbins. For the wide receiver, another Raven and Rashad Bateman. And for the tight end, it was Albert Okui Boonham. Do, do do any of those stick out to you? Do you do you, do you like all four of those guys for future break for breakouts this year? Are there any that stand out to you as you liking more? Or you saying maybe sh- kind of one you're scratching your head and saying, why would they have that guy? What do you think of those four uh, nominees at the four skill positions from the athletic? 
Okay, if we're talking fantasy, mm-hmm. I don't think I like any of them. Oh, so I don't, don't think like- I like any of them as breakout candidates. None of the four. Uh, as far as like, because when I think about a breakout player, uh, the definition that I give, Alex, is that they're going to have career high numbers. But there's also the difference between career high numbers and career high numbers that make fantasy managers like dominate their leagues. Right. So, yeah. So like Rashad Bateman could have a career year. He could very easily have 65 catches for 850 yards and five touchdowns. Okay. He's only been in the league two years. It's his best year. It's a breakout of sorts. But I think if that, if that's how his, his season ends, I don't think fantasy managers would say, wow, really glad I drafted that guy in round five or round six. And I'm nervous about the the target volume that he'll get. He might get a huge chunk of the target volume in Baltimore, but that's a team that I don't think is is interested in passing like they did last year. I think they they experimented with it. It didn't work out. I think they're going to try and go back to what they did a couple of years ago and run the football, and that might mean fewer pass attempts for Lamar Jackson, more rush attempts for Lamar Jackson, but fewer throws downfield. And Bateman's not the number one target. It's Mark Andrews. That guy's the number one target. So I'm nervous about Bateman and – I think there's only been one receiver in Baltimore in the last five years with over a thousand yards. And it was Marquise Brown last year. I, I think that's the stat. Don't quote me on that one. Um, but a, a big, a big year for fantasy at minimum. I might, that's really what I probably should have said instead of a thousand yards, but maybe he did have a thousand yards with the hell out of his numbers in front of me. So that brings me to Dobbins because if the Ravens are going back to basics, then shouldn't that mean that JK Dobbins should dominate and break out and have his best year? Well, he can have his best year again because he's in his second season of playing football, but that might not mean 1,500 total yards and 10 touchdowns and 45 catches or something like that. The one thing that the Ravens love to do, yeah, it's run the football, but they don't use one guy to run the football. They use two running backs. So Dobbins is going to share with somebody. Uh, Might be Mike Davis, might be Gus Edwards, might be Tyler Beatty. And I, I think they like Beatty. Mm-hmm. But there's definitely going to be work there for Lamar Jackson. He's going to continue to run the football. And it's just it's so compartmentalized in that run game. And Dobbins is coming off of a torn ACL. And he's probably going to start training camp on the pup list. Not 100% sure that he's going to come off of it by the time the preseason ends. That's a wait and see. Those are two guys I'm definitely not excited about drafting. I'm probably not going to draft them. Alberto is 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 a good player, but... I've been hearing that he's been seeing some competition from the rookie that they got. And this is a Russell Wilson oh, offense. Dulcich. I mean, Dol- yeah. Dulcich is a, Dude, he's, a, he's a G. You know, he's I, I think he's George Kittle part two. <laughs> I really do. At least, awesome. at least as far as his receiving skills go, I think he's – when I watched him play Alex, I thought I was watching George Kittle. I really liked him. Plus, he's got cool hair. And so he's going to be in a position <laughs> to contribute in Denver – but Russell Wilson's always been a wide receiver guy. And, yeah, he had a few years in Seattle when Jimmy Graham was doing his thing. But that's Jimmy Graham. This is Albert Okuwebunam. It's not the same thing. Uh, I'm probably going to be at a point where I'm drafting Cameron Braid ahead of Albert Okuwebunam. And I think the fantasy world will hate me for it, but I bet I'm going to be right about doing it. And that leaves Trevor Lawrence as the last guy to talk about. In two quarterback leagues, definitely targeting him. Definitely excited about the offense there. Uh, I think they're going to throw over 600 times easy. That's going to be a good thing for Lawrence. And I think he's a really talented quarterback. I'm throwing out most of everything from last year. 
as far as statistics go and, and everything else. His receiving core stunk. There was no speed. There was no separation. When Laquan Treadwell is your best separator, you know you don't have a good receiving core. Right. So Lawrence, he's going to be like all the rookie quarterbacks from last year. They're not rookies anymore. They're all going to be drafted as guys who are breakout candidates and might be you know, a, a stud at quarterback. But I think Trey Lance has a much higher ceiling, and I think Justin Fields has a higher ceiling. The 2022 Rosterwatch Cheat Sheet is available now at rosterwatch.com. The revolutionary cheat sheet to change fantasy football forever is back only at rosterwatch.com. Winning fantasy players don't use outdated magazines or expensive draft software that's impossible to navigate. The Rosterwatch Cheat Sheet. All you have to do is follow the three simple rules. That's it, three rules. Guys, it couldn't be easier. The Rosterwatch Cheat Sheet. An expert quality draft is always guaranteed. The Rosterwatch Cheat Sheet. It's only at rosterwatch.com. For those keeping score at home, even when Dave Richards just busts out a busts out a stat that he has no idea whether it's true or not, it actually turns out to be true. Uh, the last thousand yard receiver for the Baltimore Ravens before Marquise Brown last year, who had a thousand and eight, was Mike Wallace in 2016, uh, 1017. Now, but that's Mark more. Andrew, that's Mark but Andrews that's like did have six years. Mark, right, 26, 2016. So it would have been, I think you had it right, because five years would have included 2021, uh, right? So I think you were right, 2021. On. Okay, here's the set that Mark, I – But Mark Andrews was also – Mark Andrews was not a receiver, but he's had over 1,000. He had over 1,000 sure. last year. But right, as but far, that's As far point. as receivers, yeah, as far as receivers. Sure, if you want to add pass catchers into it, then of course Andrews is going to qualify. And that's why we're taking Andrews. I'm I'm not taking him in, in mid to late round two. I, I really prefer him in early round three, but most of the drafts I'm in, someone's taking him by 20th overall. Over the past five years, a Ravens wide receiver has had over 100 targets once, and that was okay. last year. Okay. Well, I mean, the thousand so yards thing is what I meant to say. <laughs> well, the, the, well, the thousand yard ones works too, yeah. right? Okay. Yeah. Bottom line is that it's a not not a great place to be if you're a yeah. wide receiver. Okay. Right. You can get sure. some great crab cake out there, and it's it's a really cool looking facility <laughs> that the Ravens have, and the uniforms are cool and all that. But it's not a great place to be for fantasy. I'm not sure that the Atlanta Falcons will be, will be a great place to be for fantasy either uh, in that in that same article that I was mentioning about the fantasy predictions over on The Athletic. Um, I wrote that it was Josh London who wrote this, but it's, uh, that can't be right because the, I I was using I was getting the name uh, mixed up because he was talking about Drake London, whoever the reporter is there. I'm sorry to the guy, but Josh something he's reporting that Drake London is sure to be at the top of the wide receiver pecking order this year. What, what do you? How are how are you dealing with Drake London? I think that it makes sense to project him at the top of that receiving order. But do you think he's gonna? Do you think he has a chance of like out targeting a Kyle Pitts? Like what what is it we can expect from Drake London this year as a rookie in Atlanta? Doesn't it feel like Arthur Smith is building a basketball team? Yeah, and and that Marcus Mariota and Desmond Ritter are his point guards. Yeah, man, and, and all they're gonna do is just kind of. They're going to have one or two reads and they're going to find the receiver that they think is open. And they're just going to try and throw it a foot and a half over their head every time. That That's what it feels like because Drake London, huge dude, big catch radius, one big breakout year at USC. Um, 11 catches per game is pretty hard to ignore, but he had a lot of targets like Traylon Burks where they were short in breaking routes 
or you know out routes inside of 15 yards and he'd, he'd try and make some plays i i didn't love the talent compared to other receivers coming out in the draft but i love the opportunity and in fantasy football opportunity is the name of the game he's going to be the number one receiver there he and Pitts are basically going to be you know, like Akeem, the dream and the big boss, man, they're going to be the twin towers in that offense. And they're, they're just going to collect a bunch of high jump balls from Mariota and Ritter and Ritter did a bunch of it in college with Alec Pierce. He's just going to keep on doing it now in the pros. He should fall into good production. dude. I think you're going to look at him. I think people are going to take him late round seven, early round eight in full PPR and um, maybe like a half round later in non PPR. And they're going to hope that even if the Falcons only score, you know, 23 passing touchdowns, that he and Pitts split half of them. And that means he gets around six, seven touchdowns with a shot at a thousand yards based on high volume in the passing game. You talk about a talk about an elite wide receiver three. If I mean, you're talking about eighth round, ninth round. You get that yeah. kind of production there. I mean, come on, like that, like that's that that's big time. And the other thing I'll just say about his production is we got to remember the earlier in his career he was playing with guys that have shown their wares in the NFL to a good degree in Michael Pittman and yep. Amon Ross St. Brown. Yeah. Um, uh, all right. What about this this other one? Another rookie coming in, and this is more about just what this rookie means because we have Matt Schneidman. He said that Alan Lazard looks to be the wide receiver one for the Packers in 2022. Uh, do you? Th- I mean, to me, it's like, to me, I'm of two minds. I'm of the mind of, well, Aaron Rodgers, Aaron Rodgers is uh, always going to have a dude that he trusts, right? Trust is such a big deal with this guy and he's so petty. And, you know, it took him so long to even start to like Devontae Adams, if you'll remember that, that, you know, the other thing is though, I mean, the team did give him the opportunity to give his input and he said he liked Christian Watts and it made me sort of think that, Maybe he'll take a little bit of accountability for Watson when he comes in. Maybe he's trying to put the guy under his wing a little bit. What do you think? Do you do you think Christian Watson could pose a threat to Alan Lazard? Do you think Alan because Alan Lazard's going pretty late right now in these drafts? People aren't, you know, looking at him like he could be the number one option in an Aaron Rodgers offense. How how are you seeing this play out? I know that you're a Bears, you're a Bears guy. So what do you think about these? Mm-hmm. Uh, no, you're not a Bears guy. Not a Bears maybe? guy. No. Okay. Well, you're, a, a you're a Chicago guy. A Chicago. Chicago guy. Yes. Bears guy. Okay. No. Okay. I, uh, you're not I even a close observer the of the Bears. You're not even a close. I mean, observer. I have to be. It's my job. I got to be a close <laughs> observer of everybody. <laughs> okay. But you're but not even an extra I'm, close observer of the Bears anymore. No. Let's put it this way: If the Bears won the Super Bowl, I would be happy for my friends who are Bears fans, but I wouldn't celebrate. I've okay. become. Totally. I don't have a team. You know who I root for on Sundays? I don't even root for the players on my fantasy team anymore, Alex. I have to root for the players who I tell people to start. No, I, That's I where that I come feeling. out. Because I, right. I want to be right. I want to feel good. I yeah. want to help people win. Yeah. And man. so, you know, everything that I do, it's, it's designed to help people win. And so I want to be right. I want to help people out. So maybe <laughs> this is one of those guys that I'll help people out. I like Lazard. I think he's okay. an excellent value. Uh, I was in a draft this week. He went in the eighth round. I'm okay with that. I think he he might end up going higher than that if Watson proves to stumble out of the blocks. Uh, if Romeo Dubs, who I do like, um, doesn't do well in training camp. If Sammy Watkins gets hurt, gee, could that possibly happen? <laughs> I, I think that Lazard, I think Lazard can end up being the number one guy. And we have seen Rodgers latch on to receivers who he just 
develops rapport with, but the rapport doesn't happen in half a year. It takes a while. How long did it take Devontae Adams to become the number one guy there? Yeah. And listen, he had competition, but eventually he got elevated into that top role and he didn't let it go. And not that Lazard is the most explosive receiver in football, but he had a high explosive catch rate last year. He was top 24 among wide receivers in plays of 16 plus yards um, divided by the number of snaps that he had. It's incredible. And he also had a lot of end zone targets. So in two ways, he, he kind of does things for fantasy managers that you want a receiver to do catches touchdowns makes big plays. And if he continues to get that opportunity, because defenses aren't going to say, Oh my God, we got to stop Alan Lazard. That'll mm-hmm. never happen. All right. Until Alan Lazard starts going off for, you know, 120 yards in a tutty every week. And I don't think that's going to happen, but I think he'll be pretty good. I think he's, I think he's going to be the top target getter in green Bay and to get the top target getter in green Bay in round eight, that sounds like a, a win in fantasy. And the other thing you can do is you can draft Lazard in round eight, and then you can get Christian Watson in round 10, 11, 12. Sure. And, and then the other, the other thing that could help Lazard is that the news could come out, you know, they, uh, it looks like Robert Tunyon might be starting the season on the physically unable to perform list, which kind of mm-hmm. just kind of, you know, ele- elevates the targets there for everybody. All right. So we'll have two last questions here for you. But before we do uh, the, the, the the two questions that we had, the two big questions that we ask everybody. But before we do, I, as a as a non Chicago fan, I just got to ask you about Justin Fields in this <laughs> in this in this in this report. Uh, it was Kevin Fishbane who's been covering the Bears for a long time. I believe he's now with the Athletic. He says that Luke Luke Getz's new scheme in Chicago is going to lead to more rushing yards for Justin Fields in 2022. Um, I haven't done enough of a deep dive into Getz to really know exactly what he means by that. I'm assuming that he has, though. Um, but when I hear about rushing yards, extra rushing yards, my ears do perk up. Are you buying in on Fields this year? Or are, are you interested? It feels like a lot of people are kind of out because they haven't done too much to surround him with talent like some of these other young, young quarterbacks that have been taking the last few years. Think about what it'll cost to get Justin Fields onto your fantasy team this year. Yeah, very little. What, right. what round do you – I did a draft this week, Alex. What round do you think he went in? Just a traditional one quarterback. We went 15 league. rounds. We went 15 rounds, one quarterback. I, I bet he went in the 11th or the 12th round. 13. 13th round. 13th round. And and this is where I would – maybe he goes in the 12th, and if he has a, a – you know, a banger of a preseason, he'll go higher for sure. But if, if, if things hold as they are, he's going to be a late round pick because no one believes in the bears offense being great. No one believes in, in Justin Fields being great. They'd rather invest. Like I said earlier in Trey Lance, who was also a 13th round pick, but it's also a position that it's just so deep. You can wait to take a quarterback who can be your starter. Not that you're drafting fields to be your starter. You're drafting him to be a blue chip in a trade or, you know, maybe he does break out and he has a big gear because he's running the ball like Lamar Jackson. I think it's smart of Luke Getzey to do that, but there, I just, I have a hard time believing that this is going to be a functional offense when the offensive line is a mess. They might be starting a fifth rounder at left tackle, which I mean, that's a recipe for disaster right there, unless the dude is just amazing. And maybe he is, you know, crazier things have happened in the NFL. But that's part one. Part two is that the receiving core is Darnell Mooney, Cole Komet, Byron Pringle. Those are literally the three best receivers in Chicago right now. You want to throw Vila Jones in there? You can. 
it's still ugly. There are teams where Darnell Mooney would be probably the number three and a handful where he'd be the number two. On top of all that, they're playing the 49ers in week one and the Packers in week two. Two tough defenses. So my fear is, here's what I think. My fear is that people are going to draft fields and they're going to do it with a late round pick. And after the first two games of the year, they're going to say, oh, what am I doing? Why is he on my bench? I'm never going to start him. I've got you know Stafford, Burrow, whoever. I'm going to cut him. Someone's going to pick him up midseason when he starts to catch a little fire, maybe. That's where I would want to be. So I don't want to draft Justin Fields. I'm going to let somebody else do that. And I will try to pick him up maybe as a bye week replacement. And maybe hang on to him for a couple weeks after that week when I definitely need him, thinking that he can start to show some of the promise that he had when he played at Ohio State. He's just in such a tough situation. Think about any other quarterback put in that situation. Even If Josh Allen changed places with Justin Fields, how excited would you be to draft Josh Allen? You wouldn't be. Yeah. As good as he is, I I don't think... Honestly, like, is is he even a round eight pick if he's in Chicago? I don't think so. I don't, it's a weird thought experiment. I'm not sure. I, I I'd have to I'd have to I have to I'd have to think about because Josh Allen, you know, now he's gotten to the point where he's awesome. But how much of that is surrounding talent? How much of the of that is coaching? How much of that is you know all the all the ancillary pieces? And of course, when answering that question, Dave Dave Richard let us all know that aside from even his answer. That we're that we're gonna get we're gonna get Trey Lance, Justin Fields in Week One of of of, of, of this year, uh, assuming they stay healthy and assuming cause, Jimmy cause Garoppolo doesn't you know make <laughs> oh, the miraculous dang. recovery and stay in San Francisco. Yeah, I, I'm pretty sure that's why that's why we've got Bears and 49ers in Week One. No, that's Is great. Because that that's a fun matchup that people will be able to to watch. That'll be in Chicago too. So. Nice. You know, well, it won't won't be one of the and maybe it is a late game. What the hell do I? I don't know what time this game's on, but <laughs> but that is the matchup in week one. He is Dave Richard. You can find him, of course, on Twitter at Dave Richard. He's the senior fantasy writer over at CBS Sports, where right now CBS Sports HQ is running a 24-7 sports news and analysis streaming channel. Everybody should check it out at CBSSportsHQ.com. And, of course, if you're not following Dave, if you're watching this, you're, pro- you're into fantasy enough to where you're following Dave. But if not, please, he's a great friend of ours, uh, a great fantasy analyst, a great mind in the industry. We'd appreciate you giving him a follow on Twitter at Dave Richard, of course, um, go to our sponsor, Underdog Fantasy. Use the promo code ROSTER to get that 100% deposit bonus up to $100. It helps us out greatly. It also helps us out a bunch. If you can rate and review the podcast wherever you listen or give it a like and a subscribe over on YouTube. Okay, Dave, the two the, the two most important questions, the questions that people fast forward to the end to hear the answer to. <laughs> okay. Okay. The single player that you're positive is going too late in early redraft leagues, early best ball leagues, whatever, the player who you sure you, you are sure right now is going to be a steal. Who's going way too late in best ball. Way too late in or best in ball. Or in any league. Or it doesn't have to be just, just Yeah, just not dynasty. Just a regular one season fantasy for, for 2022. Uh, I'm going to jump on the whole late quarterback thing. And I'm going to go with a guy who um, – has never won a playoff game and has never been like a mega stutter. He has, but it's been a while and it's Derek Carr. I think the fact that he's got Devonte Adams and they have reconnected in a major way. And that's a receiving core that also has Hunter Renfro, Darren Waller and a better, I think better coaching staff than what he had last year. I think Derek Carr takes 
a, a step forward this year statistically. And he's going way late. And he he's a, literally a guy you can start in week one. It should be a high-scoring game against the Chargers. That's his week one matchup. He's got the Cardinals after that in week two. That's a team whose secondary does not look good in their pass rush. Basically got absorbed by the Raiders because they got Chandler Jones. He's got the Titans in week three, another high-scoring game against Denver, and then Kansas City, and then a bye, and then Houston, and you get my point. That's a beautiful a great, that's a beautiful schedule to start, man. I, can't, I mean, the yeah. Chargers game could be tied. That Chargers defense on paper looks unstoppable, but I, I still think there's going to be points scored in that game. The Raiders might not win half of these games. They probably won't beat the Chargers in week one. But I think Derek Carr is going to have a hot start to the year, and I think he'll stay hot all year, and you can get him in round 10-plus. So – a quarterback that you can wait on. My advice generally with quarterbacks, Alex, is you just just wait till there's a really good value. It doesn't have to be late. It can be it can be Josh Allen with the Bills in round five. Patrick Mahomes in round five. <laughs> not this just not this cognitive Bears version we've been talking about. No, don't get him in round five. Uh, Justin <laughs> Herbert. You're going to see Justin Herbert get go like after Mahomes. I like Herbert better than Mahomes. He's going to be someone that I would love to have in round five. You just wait for that value, and if you don't ever see it. You just take Derek Carr in round 10, 11, 12, and you call it a day. I love it. I, I'm I'm on Carr too, man. I think that's a great call. Okay, and then what about – so the opposite of that question, the other side of the coin, the last question, the single player you're positive is going too early in these in these early redraft leagues. Who are you sure will be a bust? Write it in pencil, not in pen. But <laughs> okay. Cam, Cam Akers is, for now, the one that I just – I see people taking him in round three. And I don't get it because the last time I saw him, he was slow. He was not explosive. And even though they gave him a ton of work in this Rams offense, he wasn't doing a whole lot with it. I want to see footage of him exploding, making those cuts like he made at Florida State. I want to see the Rams commit to him, not just in coach speak, but maybe from what we hear about some joint practices that they have, because you know he's not going to play in the preseason. But I, I the track record of Sean McVay is he likes to use one running back. I'm worried about that because they've got Kyron Williams. They drafted him. That's a passing downs back. And if he does that role, remember we talked earlier in the show about what can the rookies do that they're already comfortable doing from their time in college. That's what Kyron Williams can do. If, if Williams is a passing downs back, that takes work away from Cam Akers. And Akers also has not been able to stay healthy for the majority of his career in the NFL. So I'm I'm very skeptical about Cam Akers being worthy of one of the first, you know, 30 picks in a fantasy draft. <laughs> 